Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you receive a blessing from this program. We hope that you will join us in person this Sunday at 9.30 for Sunday school and 10.35 for the service. We promise you will receive a warm welcome. For more information or to watch our services live, please go to gpindy.net. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Sing together now. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Well, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by and now I'm happy all the day. Was it for crimes that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace, and love, and love beyond degree. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my sight and now I am happy all the day sing now my Jesus my Savior Lord there is none like you all of my days I want to pray the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship.
God, you'll always keep me safe in your arms. I remember who you are. You're the God who's never far. So I will not be God, you'll always, you always keep me safe. You give me peace that holds me when I'm broken. Sweet peace that passes understanding when the whole wide world is crashing down. I fall. talk about knowing and doing God's will this morning. I thought I'd just be kind of practical, and uh, it's interesting, uh, people trying to find the will of God. Kara and I, we went by, driving down 135 by LA Fitness, and of course, as you look, you know I haven't ever been there, but uh, uh, as we went by, the place was packed, and everybody, they're making resolutions, aren't they, and a new beginning. And I said, well, if you make a resolution, if anything, it ought to be this year, I want to do the will of God for my life. That would be the best thing for us to do, wouldn't it? Now, it's interesting uh, how you find the will of God. Uh, Some people, uh, they try to determine God's will by a fleece. You've heard that before. Uh, If a certain thing happens, then they will do this. And uh, they get that from Gideon. And by the way, when Gideon did that, he was actually sinning when he put that fleece out. That was interesting to me. Some people, uh, to determine God's will, they rely on circumstances. This wouldn't be happening in my life because uh, it'd be wrong because God's in control of everything, so it must be the will of God. Well, just remember this. Sometimes we create our own circumstances because of the things that we've done wrong. So circumstances aren't always the thing to test if it's the will of God. Then some people, they go by a hunch. They have a, they say, a sixth sense. Uh, They have a gut feeling. And uh, you have to be careful. You might have eaten something wrong the night before. And so you have to be careful about that. And then a lot of people go by signs. They want a clear road sign to tell them what the will of God is. They want to see a cloud that looks like Jesus, maybe. You know, something like that. I was reading about this lady, and she was asking, questioning herself, should she go on this long trip? And uh, she fell asleep. And later on, she opened her eyes, and the clock said 747, and a jet flew overhead. And so she said, this must be 
the will of God. <laughs> if you interpret the will of God that way, last night I ate, uh, we ate with the Richardsons last night, and uh, my bill, the last three numbers were 666. So <laughs> what would you interpret that to be? Huh? And then some people go by visions and dreams. Uh, anytime I dream, I'm always being chased. And uh, if I have a gun right at the moment I need to use it, it falls apart. It doesn't work. And on and on it goes. It's crazy stuff. Then some people go by feelings. Uh, that's the problem because your feelings go up and down, up and down all the time. And uh, because of that, it's always changing. Uh, plus, don't miss this, feelings are dictated by our actions. The reason we feel a certain way is the result of the way that we have acted. John 13, 17 says, If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. If I do them, that makes me happy then, if I do the right things. And so we have to be careful there. Then some people say, well, we believe in open and closed doors. Now, I know sometimes that's true, where God will open a door for somebody to walk through uh, in ministry. Uh, he did that with Paul, didn't he? Uh, they had an effectual open door he talked about. And, uh, but you have to be careful. Sometimes Satan opens doors too, and he wants us to walk through. So we come to the decision, you know, we understand most believers want to do God's will, but most do their own will. Hello? They want to do the will of God, but most people do their own will. It states in Ephesians 5, 17, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what is the will of the Lord. What, is, what the will of the Lord is. I'll get it straight. And God wants us to know his will because it's very important. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 says this, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And then it says the reason to know the will of God that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So when you're fulfilling, you're involved in the will of God for your life, good things happen in your relationship with God. So the question comes, how do we find God's will or how do we know what God's will is? Well, you need to remember how God speaks to us today. He speaks to us today through his word. That's how he speaks to us. Second uh, Timothy 3, 16, uh, that's verse 15, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And all scripture is given by, now notice this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction in righteousness. See, we have the scriptures and God is the author of those scriptures. Uh, God, the Holy Spirit, is the one who moved upon people. And since we have the word of God, 
we say, okay, it's the word of God. Second Peter 1.3 says this, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called you, that uh, called us to glory and virtue. He's given us everything we need to know to be able to live this life according to the knowledge of God. And so we find the will of God in the word of God. So when we do that, we also need to always remember this. Okay, the will of God's in the word of God. The word of context is vital. It's important that you understand the word of God has a context where you read it. Uh, I think of Israel. Israel had the word, and within their context, they did sacrifices, feast days, festivals, covenants, law, favored nation status, land promises, eat certain foods, had 12 apostles, circumcision, the tribulation. But when you come over to the body church, the body church does none of those things whatsoever. And by the way, what is the body of Christ? You see, that was not revealed until Paul comes on the scene. And uh, it's when you believe in the gospel, the Spirit of God takes you out of your position in Adam and he places you into Christ. If any man, he baptizes you, he identifies you in the person of Christ now. Now you're part of this spiritual entity called the body of Christ. And it's for all believers today in the dispensation of grace. The apostle Paul is our apostle. We get our marching orders through the books he wrote. And you know he wrote them because he starts out Paul in his books that he did write, Romans through Philemon. Paul lets us know what it is to do what is the will of God in one little verse, 1 Timothy 2.4, that we have on our walls here, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So it's our responsibility to get the gospel to the lost and then to grow the believer. That's our responsibility. Now, once we find God's will in his word, then we can line up the details of our life with that word accordingly. As I studied the Bible, we know, first of all, there is God's sovereign will. That's his overall purpose. That's God working behind the scenes to ensure his purpose. Example, Israel in bondage in Egypt. But God had a purpose that they would come out of Egypt and birth into a new nation that would follow him. So he was working behind the scenes there. It states in 1 Corinthians 4.19, But I will come to you shortly if the Lord will and will know. You see, Paul says, I want to come to you if the Lord will. The Lord has his own will for us sometimes, doesn't he? Ephesians 1.11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, 
and being predestinated, we who have been saved, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So there is the sovereign will of God, but then there is God's will revealed in the word of God. The example would be Israel. They had the word, and they had to follow the law's demand. Every detail was laid out for them and how they were to live. But now you come over to today, the dispensation of grace, the body of Christ today, it's, it's different. He has his word and how we are to live, but today we have the liberty to make a choice. We can make a decision that we're going to live within the boundaries of the Scripture. Or we can choose not to study, not find God's will, or just say no to God's will. That's up to us. And if I don't follow God's will, and I say no to God's will, then I will suffer the consequences of that. We reap what we sow, don't we? So the bottom line is, what does it take to know and do God's will? I want to do the will of God. And I'm sure the majority of you, you want that too. So how do we do this? Well, first of all, number one, it takes salvation in order to understand. It takes salvation in order to understand. The natural man receiveth not the things of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Correct? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture of any pri is of any private interpretation. And then it goes on to say that it was men who were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, if you know the Scriptures were written by the Spirit of God, then you come to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, in whom Christ you also trusted by faith, after that you heard the word of truth, faith cometh by hearing, the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ for your sins, of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believe, you put your faith in Christ and the gospel, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The Spirit of God now, who wrote the Word of God, now lives inside of you. You have the author of Scriptures living inside of you now so that you can begin to see and understand the Word and find God's will. So the question comes, are you saved? If you're not saved, you're never going to understand this book the way God wants you to understand it. It takes supernatural spiritual eyes, and that is received the moment you receive Christ as your Savior. So it takes salvation in order to understand. Secondly, it takes separation from this godless world. Romans 12, 2 says this here, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Separation from this godless world. 
In other words, uh, we are to keep our lives clean and away from evil. All you're going to find in this world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And those are the three basic things that all sin is based upon. And you find that in the world. And God says, listen, you're a pilgrim, you're a sojourner, you're not of this world. You're going to heaven one day, and you have citizenship there. I want you to be separated by this world. Don't allow it to mold you into its way of thinking or its system. I want to mold you to be Christ-like. So you'll be ready when it's time to go to heaven. Amen? Number three, it takes spirit-filled living. Ephesians 5, 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, to do that, it takes yieldness on our part to allow him to control our everyday life. And when we walk in the Spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, being Spirit-filled, being controlled by the Spirit of God, who wrote the Word of God, who knows the will of God, he will help keep us from sin and live for God. Then number four, notice, it takes sacrificial giving. Now that's interesting as I was studying this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And then verse 2, it says about these people, how that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Even though they were hurting themselves, they didn't have much. They gave to the ministry sacrificially. In other words, they put some skin in the game. And I'll tell you right now, our giving reveals our heart because where your treasure is, Huh? That's where your heart is. Amen? And I want you to know this right now. You can't find a spiritual, mature, strong believer who doesn't give. They are faithful, and it helps keep things in proper balance and perspective. Also then, number five, it takes setting apart from the world's immoral ways. Notice that it states in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God. What? Even your sanctification, your setting apart to God and holiness, that you should abstain from immorality. That's what fornication is. Within marriage, it's great. Outside of marriage, it's sin. That's pretty simple, isn't it? And so he said this is the will of God. We need to be like Joseph. Even though he's in a strange land, he's a good-looking young man, and this woman's hitting on him like crazy. And he said, how can I do this thing and sin against God? And what did Joseph do? 
He ran. <laughs> you never trust the flesh. If you stay back, you'll get in trouble. Amen? You'll get in trouble. Number six, it takes simple trust in God's call for your life. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and that's not the verse I wanted. But anyway, it's 18, guys. Yes. And everything give thanks, for this is what? What is it? The will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Can you say thanks, you God, for everything that comes into your life, whether it's good or whether it's bad? Realizing God never makes a mistake. It's saying, God, I don't understand this, what I'm going through, but God, I thank you in everything. I thank you, God, because I trust you, God. That's what God wants. And then number seven, it takes souls and scripture to make us sensitive to God's will. Back to 1 Timothy 2, 4, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, salvation and growth. And let me just say this to you. You have to have a proper balance there. There are some people, some churches, it's all about winning souls, winning souls, but they lack over here, and they don't have much depth in the teachings of Scripture. But then on the other hand, you have those individual people, they're great at learning the Word, but they don't ever see anybody saved in their life. And so you have to have the proper balance, and I think in our growth, it keeps us where the rubber meets the road when we have a concern that people are lost, dying, going to hell, and we need to try to reach them. Amen? Amen. Now, these are some things that are with the will of God. Well, what about those areas that God doesn't reveal in his word? Well, I believe there are some principles or guidelines we can follow. For instance... Who do I marry? That's a good question, isn't it? Well, first of all, you marry somebody of the opposite sex. That's a good start today, amen? <laughs> a man and a woman. And the woman you marry, uh, you want her to have some characteristics like the Proverbs 31 lady or the Titus chapter 2 lady. The man that you're looking at to spend the rest of your life with. Uh, in 1 Timothy 3, it gives the qualifications of a deacon, and that's the highest position that a man in the church can actually reach because it's showing his character and his maturity and his love for Christ. Those are the type of people you need to look for whoever you're going to marry. You say, well, love will change them. No, it doesn't. Uh, it just doesn't happen. And so let me just encourage you. Then you say, where do I go to school? I'm graduating from high school. Where do I go to college? And I, I hear the pros and cons. People say, well, they go. Let me say something. We are to walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. And that ought to determine what school you go to. You need to go to a school that will honor God. 
It's just that's a, you say, well, it's hard to do. You can do it. I remember uh, Emmanuel at the beginning when we started the work in a house. There were 17 of us. They gave me $125, I think, $150 for an offering that day. And they said, we'll give it to you as long as it lasts. And I had to work three days a week, and I got that. And we sent our kids to Christian schools in spite of us not having a lick. A lot of times I'd get my check, and I'd pay everything to education for Jamie and Jenny, and we'd live on $125 a week. You can do it if you think it's a, an important thing. Amen? I didn't get very many amens. That's okay. What job do I do? Well, 1 Timothy 5.8 says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Mom and dad can't support you all their life. Boy, I hit a thorn right there. I... Amen. I know it costs a lot today. Before it's over, we might have two family situations going on in our lives because it costs so much. My son called last night and said he just got a few things in, in, you know, his cart thing, and he just got a few things, and it was $365. I mean, it costs a lot of money today. We, we understand that. So you need to work. And then 1 Timothy warns us about making that the priority of our life and it becomes our God in a sense. And he said, I want you to learn something about money. You need to learn how to be content. Whether you have little or you have a lot, you have me and you ought to be content. Amen? If, that means no life-absorbing job. It's all about the job. Just like I was reading last night, if your life is going full blast for your career, 10 seconds after you're dead, it won't matter. Lick that job. Amen? Amen. Your priority list in the Bible is simple. It's God first, my mate second, my children third, my church fourth, so we can have a connection with God in that way, and my job fifth. How do you do on that? I can show that scripturally, by the way. And then what about church? Well, Christ loved the church, gave himself for it. You ought to be faithful. That's where you go and get your batteries charged. It's supposed to be the pillar and ground of truth, and if the church is not preaching the truth, Leave and go to a church that preaches the truth. Amen? And then what do I do about conflict? I'm having conflict with other people. Well, remember, only by pride cometh contention. Pride is involved somewhere. So ask yourself, is it you? <laughs> the Bible says overcome evil with good. The Bible says, be ye kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you, lest you fail of the grace of God and a root of bitterness springing up in you, trouble you and all those around you. So there are different ways of handling conflict. But I think being kind and gracious and forgiving is the way to go. And then what about a trial? Well, I'm going through this trial. It's hard. 
There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape. God says, I'll not overload you. I'll not send trials into your life that you cannot bear. You'll make it because I'm with you. And the Bible, by the way, says, talks about the trial of your faith. It's part of our journey. And that's why we need to lean on God and he will help us. When you're in a situation you don't know what's right or wrong, here's some questions to ask yourself. Is it forbidden in the Word? If it's forbidden in the Word of God, <clears throat> it means no. It's wrong. No compromising. No rationalizing. No. It's sin. Amen? Ask yourself this. Will it honor and glorify God? Would he be ashamed or proud of me in doing this? If I do that, how does that reflect upon the name of God whom I say I love? Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And then will it hinder our walk as a believer? If I run with certain people, go to certain places, do questionable things, will that hinder me in my own walk? Will I begin to lax and begin to follow the crowd? Another question. Will it place me in a position making me more vulnerable to sin? The Bible says, neither give place to the devil. Flee from youthful lust with them that call on God out of a pure heart. For me, the key is involvement. If I just sit and it's boring, I'll go back in the world. I know myself. I have to be personally involved doing something for the cause of Christ. That's what got David in trouble, is it not? Everybody else went off the battle and he stayed behind. When he stayed behind, relaxing, taking it easy, he sees Bathsheba. If he'd been where he ought to have been, that never would have happened. He would have been involved. Then this here, will it hinder some loss, someone lost, from being saved? We've heard their comments. Oh, there are too many hypocrites in church. You know, uh, we've heard that. Oh, all they want is your money there. Oh, I know this person, they do this on the weekend. They look real good, and then through the week, they live like the devil. We've heard all those comments. And that just tells us they watch us. And our life should be better than their life because of our relationship with Christ. Then somebody says, how will it affect our family? How will it affect your family by you sinning? If it's going to affect them and hurt them and do all that, I ought not do that. Amen? I remember of a preacher, great in fundamentalism. Stan knows him well. And... He got caught talking to somebody in church, a lady, and so on and so on. It just damaged the ministry. You know what it did to his family, and then he committed suicide. How do you think that legacy went on with the family? Just a tragic, tragic thing. You see, decisions have consequences. 
They don't just affect me. They affect my family. And then how does it affect the temporal versus the eternal? Is it just for now, knowing that one day I have to stand before Christ, give account of myself, whether I'm going to be rewarded or not? Have I considered the counsel of others? Is this right or wrong? Have I sought out help, counsel of somebody else? If I'm just going by my flesh, I'm in trouble. Amen? I'm preaching good right now. You need to listen up. Amen? Amen. That's right. I, th- I think about that. I, I've, I've told you before that Carol and I, she got the job she's always wanted down in Chattanooga when I was a student. Bible school there and employment downtown Chattanooga. But our house was chaotic. I went and asked Dr. Ben. He said, do this, make a list. The positive things, the negative things. We made our list. And as we looked at it, it was clear as day. The things that were positive was financially. Do this and that and taking off the pressure. Whereas the important things we were neglecting. Our family, our home, our time together. On and on it goes. Well, that was a no-brainer. And God met every one of our needs, and when we left school, we didn't have any debt at all. It's amazing how God honors your faith. But have I considered, if I don't know if it's right or wrong, talking with somebody, talking with my parents, talking with some friends, talking with my pastor, talking with somebody godly. I remember our church was going through a split down at when I was just first saved down in Indianapolis there. And I just got saved, just started going, and I'm in church, and the church is splitting. And boy, they're going after the pastor. That night, I called him up. I said, my heart's broken. But he gave me information and wisdom, and he said this to me. I've never forgotten it. He said, Jim, keep your eyes on the Lord. Man will fail you, but he will not. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. And then the last thing, and everybody said, thanks for the encouragement. Now here's a good one. Am I willing to make the right decision when I know it's right, and not procrastinate. I find out what is true, what is right, but I don't procrastinate. I go on and do that. That is so important. Elijah said this, why halt you between two opinions? If God be God, follow him. If Baal be God, follow him. But you need to stand up and you need to be decisive. Stop being indecisive. I wrote down, delay decays. Amen? A farmer, he had a question he was thinking about. Should my mules eat the tall stack of hay or should they eat the small stack 
of hay. And because of his indecision, the mules died of hunger. <laughs> and that's the way a lot of people are. When they find out what's right, whether they want to do it or not, they don't do it. Amen? James 4.17 says this, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him it is sin. Isn't that interesting? So I summarize, and I say this. If we're saved, separated from the world, spirit-filled, sacrificially giving, simply trusting in God, souls and scripture oriented, yielded to biblical principles. I tell you this morning, if that's going on in your life, do whatever you want. You say, what? Do what I want. Because if that's going on in your life, that means you're having a relationship with God. That means you're sensitive to the word of God. And you will want to do what God wants you to do. You want to please God. And you will stay within the boundaries of scripture and his will for your life. If those things are inside of you. Amen. So I challenge you this morning, very simply. Let's do the will of God this coming year. Let's have uh, the mindset and the heart. Thy will be done. And he'll bless you if you do. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We're thankful that it reveals not just what we're supposed to do, but God, it reveals you. What a blessing. And God, I just pray that this coming year that people of our church here we'd be determined it's the will of God for my life. And when they have those questionable things, may they remember some of these things. Call that to re their remembrance so that we can stay on the straight and narrow way and please you. That's our heart's desire. May we stop floundering, stop living by our flesh, people's opinions, and the secular worldly experts. May we just live by simply your word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.